Welcome to the Reinventing Education Podcast. I'm Rob McLeod, joined as always by Brennan O'Leary. And Brennan, we've reached a momentous occasion. This is our 100th episode. 100th. Yeah, and so our aim is by the end of this episode, you'll be able to better understand uh, the three fundamentally different approaches to education that are currently in a sort of tug of war with each other. And hopefully have a, an understanding of how each of them functions and how we can strategically act to make a change in our own educational contexts. Yeah, so our like table of contents for this episode, the three things we're going to get into, this idea of the three types of school, the eight aspects of school, and the two aims of school. And at the very end, we'll throw in a little summary of the integrative approach as well. Okay, so first up, the three types of school. So big question, what do we here on Reinventing Education see as the largest challenge for advancing our educational system? And to us, it's the three types of school and the tug of war that's going on between these three types of school. Three fundamental different types of school that can be found across any kind of pedagogy. The reason we say that there's a tug of war going on is because we're constantly moving in one of these three directions. And we'll address what those directions are in just a moment. We move in one of these directions and then in another. And each time we shift to a different type of school, we're compromising previous initiatives and the work that's already been done. These three types of school are competing definitions about what school is and what school should be and how school is organized. And in 2023, they are not found in isolation. So our goal is to define the characteristics of each of these three types of schools so that we can identify them and address them appropriately. So again, we're not presenting a new educational model or a new type of pedagogy. Rather, our work today is in service of presenting a tool through which any approach to education can be better understood. The three types of school each represent three different kinds of educational relationships. And if you've followed us in our first 99 episodes, you've heard us talk about the three types of school by referring to traditional, mainstream, and progressive. Those terms are helpful, but in practice, we've realized that focusing on the relationship is actually more impactful when talking about school. So now, our three types of school, our updated terms are expert, coach, and counselor. So expert, coach, and counselor. If you've been listening to us, expert is connected to traditional types of school, coach to mainstream, and counselor to progressive. But from now on, this moment forth in the podcast's history, we're discussing the three types of school as expert, coach, and counselor. These relationships are not just teacher and student. You'll find them reflected in each of the relationships within the school, uh, whether it's in leadership, um, maybe uh, between staff and parents and so on. Um, our emphasis today will be a little bit more on the teacher-student relationships seen through these three types. If you know Spiral Dynamics, or if you're familiar with the text Reinventing Organizations by Frederick Leloux, our terms map on fairly well to those systems. So when we refer to the expert, those would be the blue stage of development in Spiral Dynamics or the amber in Reinventing Organizations. The coach lines up with the orange stage of development and with the counselor, 
we're talking about the green stage of development. If you have no idea what I was just talking about, don't worry, irrelevant. But if you do know those systems, they connect in those ways. And so if we look at the expert-centered school, students in, within the system are often seen as the apprentice. And this is organized uh, into a hierarchical pyramid and, and based on a core value of stability and security. We move into the coach-centered school. We use the term coachee or athlete is one way to think of this, uh, a student in this system. And you might think of these as organized within a flowchart that allows for many opportunities within the organization. And finally, the counselor or the counseled, um, finally, the counselor-centered school where students are somewhat viewed as the counseled or the client. They are um, organized around circles and uh, very much based on the core values of equity and inclusion. So now we know the three types. Rob, how do we work out which type we are, which we want to be, and how we move in the right direction? So this is where the eight aspects of school come in. So this is the second part of our model. The eight aspects of school, what are they? Well, they're essentially eight things you can look at to answer what is the school. So really quickly, what we're talking about here are the activities and resources, the systems and environments, the communities and their cultures, and the beliefs and the reactions of individuals involved. So you find these in school, and we are calling these the eight aspects. And these are where you can go look to check which of the three types of school are represented currently. Each of the aspects reinforces one of the three types of school. Typically, all eight aspects are working together to reinforce one of the three types of school, but it's not always the case. And if it's not the case, there's likely a lot of conflict in the school. So first, let's go through these in a little bit more detail. Activities and resources. So by activities, we're talking about what we do. And by resources, we mean what we do it with. The systems and environments. Systems and environments. Systems are how we organize what we do, and environments are where we do it. And the environments in the modern day obviously can both be physical or digital environments. Communities and their cultures. By communities, we're talking about the groups of people. And of course, any one individual exists within many overlapping different groups within a school. And when we talk about their cultures, we're talking about the cultures of those groups of people, of those communities, how we do what we do. One definition of culture that I've heard that I really like is what we allow between ourselves. And then finally, we were talking about the beliefs and the reactions of the individuals. So this is the actual like lived experience, the phenomenology. The beliefs are unique to the individual and the reactions are what you think and how you respond to what is happening within the schools. So those eight aspects, activities and resources, systems and environments, communities and their cultures, and the beliefs and the reactions of the individuals. Now, these eight things are in constant interplay. And you can look at these eight aspects to find which type of the three types of school is now in place. And you can also use these eight aspects to see what could be changed in order to reinforce another of the types of school. So now this really boils down to this important three-part question. Now that you know the three types of school, 
And now that you can look across these eight aspects to see which of the three types of school you are, here are three questions for you. Which one of the three types of school is your school now? Which one do you want the most? So which one personally do you lean towards of the three types of school? And then finally, which one is the best fit for your school's context? So is the expert, coach, or counselor the best fit for your school's context? And that might be in alignment with which one you value the most, but there's a chance that what you value the most and which one is the best fit for your school's context, and maybe even which one is your school now, those potentially are all different answers. Then once we've asked that, how can we change or improve each of the aspects to better align with our chosen type of school that we wish to pursue? Let's dig a little bit into those three types, the expert, coach, and counselor-centered models, and look a little bit at what makes each fundamentally different. Now, we've got 99 previous episodes that dig into the nuts and bolts of this, so we're just going to give you the the cliff notes version here. Let's tag team it, Rob. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a heading, and you can tell me what each of these types of schools does. So we're gonna look first at what each school um, defines usually as its inherent good, the thing that you would compromise um, the other types of school for to gain this. I'll say, okay, so inherent good in an expert school is? Duty. So organized within a pyramid, there are clear-cut levels of hierarchy to ensure that duty is fulfilled. Inherent good in a coach-centered school. The inherent good in a coach-centric school is achievement. So the school kind of organized like a flowchart, interconnected levels of hierarchy to ensure achievement. Inherent good in a counselor-centered school. Meaning. So the school is organized via a circle, and there's flat or no hierarchy in order to uh, reinforce meaning. Duty, achievement, meaning. I see. Okay, next. Each of these types of schools is in pursuit of something. Again, it will prioritize this over the others. What is the expert school in pursuit of? All actions are in pursuit of stability and security. By the coach-centered school. They are in pursuit of maximizing opportunities. In the counselor-centric school. In pursuit of equity and inclusion. Hmm, stability, opportunity, equity. And finally, for this little section, how about the criteria that pushes each of these types of schools into action. Um, what the criteria for action in an expert-centered school? Conviction, common sense, and authority. Mm. How about in a coach-centric school? Efficiency and effectiveness, or rather balancing efficiency and effectiveness, as well as data analysis using the scientific method and data. Mm. And in a counselor-centered school, what would be the criteria for action? Sustainability, consensus, and consent. Mm. 
So if these words are resonating with you some more than others, that's already a bit of a hint. So uh, criteria for action, conviction, common sense, authority, or is it efficiency, effectiveness, data analysis, the scientific method, or is it sustainability, consensus, consent? Do any of those three groups resonate with you most? Is it something you're already doing? Is it something that you would like to do more of? And importantly, if you had to compromise, which of those three would you go for? Yeah, and just to tag on to that last bit, Brennan, maybe one is standing up more than the others, or you might be thinking, well, we're doing all of these. Now, of course, like we said, schools in 2023, always going to be a mix of all three of these. But like you're just saying, Brennan, when times get hard in times of stress, which one of these three do you double down on? Which one are you ensuring that will not be sacrificed in service of the other two? There is one fundamentally that will be a priority. It's also important to note that as with anything, we can do any of these well or poorly. You could be an expert-centric school that um, does duty really well or not so well at all. It doesn't mean you are a different type of school just because you don't do that quite well. Similarly, you could be a coach-centric school that offers lots of opportunities or not many. And so for any of these types of school, you can do them well or poorly. And as we've said many times, there, there will be a specific type of school that's already happening, a specific type that's already happening in your school. Maybe that is a great fit for your context and it's something you want to do more of and do better. Or maybe it's not fitting so well uh, in one or all of these um, eight aspects and you might want to be moving in a different direction. Yes, none of these three types are better than the others. None of them are better than each other. There's no best one, but rather each can be a better fit depending on the context. And like you said, each can be done well in that context, somewhat well or poorly. Okay, let's assume you've decided which of the three you want to be. Here comes one more set of lists for you of some characteristics. However, these are the unique priorities to focus on to become the high-functioning, well-done version of that type. So, Brennan, how about you set me up with the, the names oh, well, and the these, questions? These are almost like a pillars that you could build your school on. So what is at the center of these types of school? What is at the center of an expert-centric school? Yeah, and for each of the answers I'm about to give, these are what you want to be doing well. So what is at the center in the expert? Subject expertise and the authority of the teacher based on tradition. And what do you find at the center of a coach-centric school? Data-based decisions and the curriculum. And in a counselor-centric school? Self-directed learning and consent on what is most relevant to the community and individuals. Okay, so subject expertise based on tradition, database decisions and curriculum or self-directed learning and consent on what's relevant. How about we move on to where power lies and how these types of school make their decisions? How, how are decisions made in an expert-centered school? Well, there's clear roles in the hierarchy and clear responsibilities of who does what, and that boils down to authority. 
And if we look at a coach-centric school in terms of decision-making? We're looking at transparency and representation. So ultimately, it's data that has the power. And in a counselor-centric school? School-wide decision-making and consent of the individuals. So it's the group that has the power. Uh, so clear roles and responsibilities based on authority, moving into transparency and representation and data-driven decisions. And then in a counselor-centric school, school-wide decision-makings and consent uh, within the entire group. Um, if we look at how decisions are made on an individual level, uh, where power lies within uh, each person within the school, um, what does the expert-centered school think of this? Yeah, the teacher has the final say on things via their pedagogical discernment. And in a coach-centered school? Yeah, so it's across the staff, thanks to horizontal and vertical collaboration. And the counselor-centric school? So every voice, thanks to the learning community. Yes. So again, if you're listening and thinking about how this applies to your context, is uh, decision-making done through a pedagogical discernment of the teachers, uh, this horizontal and vertical collaboration across all of the staff or even wider into all of the voices of everybody, students, staff, parents within the learning community? And finally, for this section, you know, how would each of these three types of school um, define good teaching? How about an expert-centric school? Expert orderly. Coach-centric. To the coach, good teaching looks like differentiation. And to the counselor-centric. Counselor-centric, good teaching looks like it is holistic. Yeah, again, these are of course, uh, very brief definitions. But, you know, again, in your school, are you looking for teaching to be more orderly, more differentiated, or more holistic? So we've kind of looked at what schools are built on and what's driving them within those different types. One thing that connects all schools of all different persuasions, all different types, is that they have very similar aims. Those aims are approached very, very differently, but they do generally share um, similar aims. And what about those, Rob? We've boiled it down to this idea that there are two aims of school, and these two aims are shared across all three types of school. Now, what gets complicated is that these two aims, which are cultural development and self-development, how each of the three types of school define what cultural development and self-development are, are different. And therefore, their ideas about how to go about developing you for the culture and your own self-development, those ideas about how to accomplish that are different as well. So by cultural development, we're talking about embodying the shared beliefs and values of the system around you. So understanding the systems and structures. So the ideas, customs, skills, social behavior of particular people or society. And then for self-development, we're talking about developing skills, talking about developing emotionally and developing cognitively. 
And then more broadly speaking, as like cultural development and self-development come together and converge, we could talk about this idea of role development. So what kind of role is the individual developing into and getting ready to contribute to the culture in some kind of way? Previously, we had discussed three aims of school, and we had shared this idea of cultural development, self-development, and work preparation. Yes, so every single school, regardless of its um, type, is looking to do cultural development to prepare its students for the society it's going to live in, embodying those shared beliefs and values, and on some level, developing them as an individual, their own skills. When these two things come together, they kind of uh, suggest the role that any individual student might play in society. Uh, in today's system, that often involves um, credentials and particular courses, but it's always been, you know, as long as humanity has been in societies, we've had roles within us, uh, within them. And so, yeah, developing ourselves to play a place in a wider society developing ourselves as individuals and they come together to help us define our role within that society, which could be looked at as a job, but could be looked at in a, in a broader sense. So we've talked about the three types of school, expert, coach, counselor, schools. We've talked about the eight aspects. We've now discussed the two aims. All of this has been rather abstract. So let's try and kind of combine all this sort of stuff together and give you like a concrete example of this. And the reason why we're presenting this framework in the first place to help discern how often we can see the same thing being done in schools, but for completely different motivations, depending which of these three types of school you have your allegiance towards. So each type of school, each of the three can do the same thing, but for different reasons and perhaps in different ways. So there's an expert approach to things, a coach approach to things and a counselor approach to any topic in schools. So, you know, here's just a quick one. Technologies used in school, let's say using Teams or using some other kind of online platform, you know, especially when we saw the early days of lockdowns with the coronavirus and things like that, schools quickly had to decide how are we going to do online learning? How are we going to make use of things like Teams? And, you know, here's a good modern example of how you can see each of the three types of school doing the same thing, but for completely different reasons. Expert, basically, Teams becomes the place you find out what you need to do. It's the medium for contact with the expert and authority via video chat, via whatever. It's the place you contact the authority. A coach-centric approach. Teams or an online platform becomes the location for your differentiated resources and assessments. It's the place for opportunities that are going to be differentiated and made unique for you. Finally, the counselor approach, Teams or another online platform becomes the medium for connection, communication with each other, and ensuring personal well-being and ensuring that meaning can continue through this online format. So we've presented this framework, this idea of the three types of school, the eight aspects. What do we do with it? Well, we would say that from this place, there are essentially two moves. We've already highlighted the first one, which is which of these three is the best fit for your context? 
deciding that we're all in on that, and we wish to be the high-functioning version of that, and then using the eight aspects to be able to decide which are already in alignment with that type and which are not, and then be able to make strategic goals from there in terms of what our next steps are in pursuit of becoming a high-functioning version of one of these three types. We also believe, though, there's a second move that actually looks to integrate all of these three types of school, to integrate the best of the expert, to integrate the best of the coach, to integrate the best of the counselor, because each of these approaches on their own have babies and bathwaters. That's essentially what our first 99 episodes of this show have been about. What are the pros? What are the cons of each of these three? So there is a school of thought, shall we say, that there is a way to bring together the most relevant aspects of each of these types of school for a specific context. It makes sense. We all say uh, things like, oh, we're doing all of these already. And, and of course, to some degree, that's true. But are we doing them all well? And are we able to move between them um, to support students, support schools in a particular context? So this, this fourth uh, type of school, the integrative school, recognizes the importance of the three, but tries to discern the babies from the bathwaters, we say, you know, which aspects of the coach-centric school or coach-centric school or counselor-centric school or expert-centric school is working or would work in this particular context. Um, very, very difficult to do to not prioritize one over the other. We all have strong biases, uh, from our from our, our own experiences and our own preferences, but to be able to see the value in the expert-centric, the coach-centric, and the counselor-centric and move beyond a one-size-fits-all where, uh, you know, the old adage of your, if you only have, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If, you, if everything comes back to coach-centric, Maybe that's great for a lot of situations in your school, but it's unlikely to be the best for all. And so having access to the tools of all of these three types um, seems to be a way forward to support the very diverse needs of the people that we work with. So where are we in all of this? Well, myself and Rob have spent the last five years trying to put together this program and we've worked in our own schools and with other schools to some degree and we want to and we feel that we're in a good position to work with schools to take them forward to help to uh, work out where you're at where you want to be and uh, using these tools to uh, implement the changes that will move you in the direction that that the school feels it wants to go. And so what we're going to do in the next episode is to try and pick apart a little bit um, or help people identify a little bit more which of the three schools you're currently in and um, 
where you'd like to go and maybe how to begin to make plans to do that. Not going to lie to you. Change can be hard. The idea that you're in control of your the direction that you're moving in and that you're conscious in how you're going about this and why is how positive and meaningful change happens. Yeah, and this framework that we presented to you today, as Brandon said, this has first come from abstract ideas that we've pieced together. But over the last five years, we've refined this through real world experience and through seeing what works in the actual world and what doesn't and some trial and error and modifying things as we've gone. If this has been interesting to you, feel free to keep in touch either by listening to us and the podcast moving forward or as well getting in touch with us at reinventingeducationpodcast at gmail.com. We're always interested and eager to discuss these ideas with people who are motivated by sustainable change within the school system and, you know, really being able to make the most of it. Yeah, to emphasize the babies, to get the best out of it and as much as possible minimize the unnecessary negatives that go along with such an endeavor. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Brennan.